<laughs> I, I don't really have a way to work this into the show uh, because I, I didn't want to make it my most least important thing because sure. it's been out for a while. But it was interesting that I just discovered five seconds ago as you were <laughs> out of the room. Did you know, based on our previous podcast where you taught, we talked about the best fantasy worlds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of yours was the land of Thra. Yes. From the Dark Crystal. Yes. Did you know that they are making a Netflix series on the Dark Crystal? No way. And like that is a I don't know if it's a prequel or a sequel. I I literally just discovered this. But it's called The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It's set for 10 episodes and they are actually using puppets. That they're working with Jim Henson and team. They're not going to do C- they're only going to use CGI to remove puppeteers. Wow, that's actually super cool. And it's I'm got all a, of a sudden really excited about. It's that. got kind of a you know interesting ensemble cast. It's got Eddie Izzard. It's got Jason Isaacs. It's got uh, Toby Jones, Keegan Michael Key. It's got um, Simon Pegg, Andy Samberg, oh. Mark Strong, Alicia Vikander, and. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Yep. Crazy. Did you know that Mark Hamill apparently is going to be the voice of Chucky in the next Chucky movie? I mean, it makes sense. The dude's the dude is a more talented voice actor than he is an in-person actor. He is crazy good at those yeah, voices. Because he did, you know, he was he, the, he was a Joker. He was like Joker. the ultimate Joker. I think he was an incredible Joker. Um, he was also a really good villain in Avatar: The Last Airbender, the cartoon. What what he was the bad guy. I forget the name of the bad guy. Like one of the fire dudes? He was the fire The fire dude. The, like not you the know, young there's, fire you know, dude. There's Zuko who's the young yeah, fire dude. Yeah. He was Zuko's dad, you know, the Zuko's ultimate dad. fire demon lord, yeah, lord whatever yeah. he I forget his character's name because it's been a while. But that was Mark Hamill. Very interesting. So there you go. Yeah. Anyways Mark Hamill. The world of Thra is coming back via Netflix. I'm all over that. It, and it's Jim Henson. The, the Jim Henson company is attached to it. They're doing the puppets. Netflix is so weird. We should do a Netflix show sometime. Do you wanna, I, I don't understand. Here's here's some pictures for oh, you. Oh, yeah. See, that's totally a Gelfling right yeah. there. Another Gelfling. And another, Gelfling. Another Gelfling. Zombie Gelfling. What's that? Is that one of the... Uh, yeah, Skeezix or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Whatever you whatever you talked about, like vulture, like yeah, vulture, like creepy creechy things. things. Yeah, no, you, you that's totally going to go on your backlist, Hall of Shame, which we're beginning soon. So there you go. I didn't have a way to work that because I, I, I figured you know this was actually announced in 2017, and I figured you were all over this. Oh, no. um, so I didn't want to like use it as my most least important thing, and then yeah. you'd be like, whatever, this is old news. This is old news. Yeah. No, I I think that that's pretty interesting. No, Netflix does so many. St- so many things right that it's really hard to keep track of them all i mean and there are a lot of them are really high profile things so you just have to there's some sort of filter in our brains that doesn't allow us to absorb everything that they do Uh, i mean that's just science right yeah we on average see we are on average we encounter over in the neighborhood of three to five thousand different messages per day yeah currently we can give semi-attention to about 50, and we can retain a dozen or so. Right, which is why this podcast, as soon as we're done with it, I, Paul I forgets. don't remember it. Paul forgets, but you guys hopefully don't. I don't. I don't forget you. Um, so, yeah, on to the show. On to the show. <laughs> What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. Today, Paul, um, we're talking about Shazam! 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 The new DC movie. Correct. Captain Marvel is what it should have been named. Apparently, it was called Captain Marvel at some point. I was did Marvel Comics exist when it was called Captain Marvel, or is this before Marvel Comics existed? Dude, I will get into the story later because it is it is a fascinatingly geeky right, one. Well, we'll get into that. Um, also, elsewhere, 
we we with the release of Dumbo, um, I I had a bone to pick with the marketing team behind for Dumbo because I don't know how many of you saw the ads that they were running, but I saw a lot because um, <laughs> apparently they were really trying to target me. Yes, uh, or at least my Hulu account. Well, it's the ears, and and they're like. Everyone remembers the moment they fell in love with Dumbo. What? Who remembers the moment they fell? I I never fell listen, in love with Dumbo. I never fell in love with Dumbo. Yeah. Period. We're Dumbo haters. And No, we're not Dumbo haters. And like just a, like Dumbo is not the classic Disney movie that people refer to when you're like, what's your what's the classic Disney animated you know disney animation studio movie that you fell in love with nobody says dumbo i'd wager dumbo is on very few people's top five you know it would be actually a really interesting question you know it's the most popular actually you know the ride at disneyland is totally emblematic of dumbo itself sure because i've never been oh my goodness so essentially it's it's this ride you know where you ride dumbo and dumbo goes up in the air and you go around in a circle right so it is the, the it, in Disneyland, nothing is like what you would see at just a state fair carnival, except for that ride. And yet, it is one of the most popular rides in the whole park. So it, maybe it feels there are some. Insane. Maybe maybe this was just poor targeting, and there are a lot of people who fell in love with Dumbo. But it inspired us <laughs> to go ahead and make a list of the worst Walt Disney Animation Studios films. Yes, of all time. Correct. So we're going to do that first, and then we're going to get to our Shazam cast. Sounds spoiler, fair enough. Spoiler cast, because that's the way we do things around here, because we like to get spoiler down and nerdy. Spo- that's the way you like to do things. Down and here. nerdy. You are a spoiler king. I am the spoiler king. <laughs> I'll take that. That's fine. But now it's time to talk about crappy Disney movies. Because of the new Dumbo live action air quotes movie, we want to talk about, you know, like what are some of the worst Walt Disney Animation Studios movies that we really never want to see be remade? (laughs) I'm adding that last bit in. Or maybe they should be remade. Maybe they should be. Because they're they're so bad. But maybe they're, they're, and that is true. There is one or two on my list that could potentially be remade into something good. Yeah. Yeah. But let's just talk about the worst Walt Disney animations because you know what they've made some stinkers. They, you know, their track their track record is not spotless. Well, it, and it's interesting. Okay, so we might as well dive into the top five, right? Let's do it. I think um, this was a really interesting exercise for me because I didn't realize how many Walt Disney movies I haven't seen. Yeah. Right. There, there was that was also a surprise to me. So it was a significant number, especially like in the like nineteen fifties, sixties range. Where I was like, "Oh, huh." Well, even in the eighties, like one of the movies that I think might have made my top five had I seen it would be the Black Cauldron, yeah. right? Which it was nineteen eighty five or something. Correct. It was it was huge. Uh, I think it was supposed to be the most expensive movie to that point ever made by anybody. It was forty four. It was million definitely dollars. the most expensive animated movie ever made. Yeah, and and it flopped. Hard. It was a bomb, um, which explains why, even though I was in my childhood, I was the complete target audience for that. And I had read the original Dark Black Cauldron books, you know, the Chronicles of Perdane. I never even remembered it. Yeah. So that probably would have made my top five, but I didn't see it. So um, when I put together my top five, this is what I sort of did. I had to have seen the movie. Um, number one. And number two, we sort of put this this big blanket term as the worst Disney movies. But what in the heck does that even mean? Right. You know? Is it quality? Is it, you know, because there's a lot of different ways that you can judge a, a bad movie. Right. And so number five for me sort of encapsulates one sense of a bad movie. And number five is Dumbo. 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 I do not hate Dumbo. I don't hate it. And in 
in a lot of respects, it's a pretty good movie, but it is really weird and pretty dark and a little uncomfortably racist, you know? Which I, I do have to say, I didn't understand that when I was four or five years old, so I liked that part. It was funny to me. You know, honestly, I just saw a YouTube clip of the crows, you know, the, yeah. and and even just watching the animation, it looked pretty fun. But at the same time... Yeah, a four or five-year-old doesn't know that this right. is what this is predicated upon. Right, right. So it, it really is, when you watch it through, it, it's interesting that it is such a beloved classic because there are these really uncomfortable moments that would never actually fly today. You know, the, the crows, the racist crows would be one. Um, the Dumbo getting drunk and the pink elephant yeah. scene. I mean, that's the that most... That creeped me out. It, it is super creepy. It is super creepy. And, and then I think it has one of the... Honestly, Bambi doesn't hold a candle in terms of sadness, like the mom being locked away right? and cuddling Dumbo. With, oh, oh my, gosh. my goodness. Yeah, no, uh, this, this Disney movie, Dumbo, is one of those where for me, like my memory of it as a child was like, this doesn't feel good. Like this yeah. doesn't feel like a comfortable movie to watch, which – for however old I was, four or five years old, right. when you're worried about being separated from your parents, oh, oh. and you're seeing it happen on screen, you know, yeah. like and and all this weird trippy, you know, uh, yeah, you know, inebriated experience, and yeah, like man, and, and the way that you know Dumbo was being used, like man, it this was a movie that yeah. did not make you feel. Like you were used to feeling, you know, because as a kid, you get used to watching, or at least I did as a kid. Right. Movies that typically, even if they had some peril or whatever, they they helped you they helped you feel a right. Most of right. the stories helped you feel at least a right and hopeful and right in the world and affirmed things like, hey, family is important and strong and all that, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, yeah. Dumbo did not leave me with those feelings. Yeah, no, it was, you, and you think about where all the fears of clowns came from. It might have been from this movie. Yeah, so there you go. All right, number five for me is the OG, the original gangster of Walt Disney Animation Studios. You're not gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. It's Snow White. Oh my goodness! Number five for me is Snow White. Now, what is wrong? I, with I'm you? gonna say that this is not insignificantly shaped by the fact that I think Snow White as a fairy tale is one of the weaker fairy tales in existence. Like, I I didn't know that part until college. I never really liked Snow White as a movie before this. But then I went to college. I took this, like, fantasy at Hastings College. Paul and Hastings I shared college. alma mater. And, you know, we, we read all the classic and different versions of these different classic fairy tales snow white being one of them and it was just no version of it was ever very compelling because it's just it it and i think i kind of realized this as a kid like even as a kid i didn't buy this whole oh someone's prettier than me ergo she must die (laughs) and that is the entire driving plot of the film that just it never felt like that always felt off to me even as a young child whenever i first saw this movie it was like what and then snow white is such a oh, dumb she's character so, yeah she's it's her like number voice, her voice just oh the voice is awful the voice is awful and and then it's like she's this you know ignorant princess who but apparently she really knows housework no princess knows housework that's dumb <laughs> <laughs> I know how princessing so, works. So you're knocking a Disney animated fairy tale for not being realistic enough? Yeah. I, I, sh- I straight up am. <laughs> because then they show that she's this competent homemaker. <laughs> like, look, princesses don't get this type of – especially when they have evil mo- – they don't have their own mother. They have evil- So it was like, no, not buying it. What do you think little princesses then, play? Then, well – They don't play that. (laughs) And then, like, the Wicked Queen turns into the most hideous, you know, witch. And Snow Snow White is like, yeah, I'll eat this poison apple. What? She's innocent and trusting. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. So So it just – and then, you know, you look at the animation doesn't hold up. Oh, what are you talking about? I get that it was groundbreaking at the time. I understand that. What is wrong with you? It does not hold up. Now, I will say this. I like the dwarves. 
And I'm not saying this is the worst movie ever made. I'm not saying it has no redeeming qualities. I'll still sing hi-ho from time to time. <laughs> Sometimes in this very podcast. But it's – I just don't think it holds up. Oh, my goodness. The, you are – Snow White, number five been, on my list. You've been really wrong in the past, <laughs> but I don't know if you have ever been more wrong than about Snow, Snow White. Snow White is no, the it, worst Disney princess. It, and, and I think that you can mm. make an argument. I mean when you – Aurora's up there too. Oh, Aurora's great. What are you talking about? She does nothing. She's awesome. She does nothing. Well, she does sleep a lot, but yeah. who wouldn't? I mean, so. that would be what I would like to do. Let me let me just throw – I know we're already risking going way over, <laughs> but let me just throw a defense of, of Snow White because in some ways you're right. I mean, all the, all the flack that Disney princesses get, I mean, it's really largely centered on Snow White. She is definitely a creature that has – whose personality does not fit in with our modern age. But when you knock the animation, the animation is still amazing. The artwork is incredible. You have, uh, and, and honestly, it has one of the scariest, coolest scenes in all of cinema, which is the queen turning into the wicked witch. I think that that was one of the most impactful scenes of my childhood. We might have even talked about it here. So I totally disagree, and there you're you just totally wrong. Number four on your list. Number four on my list is a much more fitting selection for this list. The Brave Little Toaster. Oh, The Brave Little Toaster? The Brave Little Toaster. Uh, come on. No, it was... Come on. He's a Brave Little Toaster. How can, you do, <laughs> how can you hate The Brave Little Toaster? I don't hate The He's Brave... He's a cute little <laughs> boxy little thing. I don't hate The Brave Little Toaster itself. <laughs> I think that it's nice that this Toaster's is a brave. This attack on the Toaster. Yeah, no, I, I, I am, I am all in favor of all sorts of toasters, whether they're brave or cowardice. Cowardice, never mind. Cowardly, cowardly. Thank you. No, but it, again, in sort of the vein of Dumbo, it's a pretty dark movie. I right. mean, an air conditioner commits suicide. Does you that have, happen? Yeah, you have all these, all these living appliances just being I do, obliterated. I do remember it getting intense here because this is one I don't particularly. I don't remember the storyline because I, I might have seen it when I was three. Yeah, but um, I don't remember it. I remember intensity, but I don't remember it being as bleak as Dumbo in my memory. <sighs> but I'd have to go rewatch it to say for sure. Yeah, no, I, I. It didn't leave me with the same like negative feeling. No, as Dumbo, well, though. Dumbo was just made in a different time when kids were tougher, right? So, <laughs> oh, you, you call me a snowflake? <laughs> did you just call five-year-old me a snowflake? <laughs> I did. I, I'm walking off the set right now. <laughs> anyways, the brave little anyways, toaster. Anyways, no, it was it was a dark movie, and and there were some really intense scenes, and I think for for kids who have a fascination with small appliances, it can be a really difficult movie. Maybe to that's why it didn't bother me. I was able to remove myself because, like, toasters don't have parents. <laughs> this no. is dumb. Anyway, Brave Little Toaster. And also, it wasn't that particularly great of a movie. All right. Sure. You know, Dumbo. Yeah, I think it's one that we have a lot of you know, kids, people my age have. Yeah. Like, some more nostalgia attached to it. Yeah. Because this didn't come out when you were a kid. Right. Exactly. No. No. So. I watched it with my kids, and my yeah. kids were horrified. Yeah. <laughs> Scarred them for life. All right. Number four for me, from the year 2000. Year 2000. Their first movie in the 2000s, Dinosaur. Oh. Dinosaur. Yeah, you forgot about Dinosaur, didn't you? I did forget about Dinosaur. I forgot it was a Disney movie. I did see it, and it was just – it was one of those – I like to use this phrase on the show. Not infrequently. It was a big old nothing burger. Big old nothing burger. Because, like, look, number one, we know how it's going to (laughs) end. They all die. Number two – we all had Land Before Time fatigue, right? Land oh, Before yeah. Time was already on like part five, and we're like, look, we've seen the dinosaur thing. It's fine. You, you, the commercials look cool because it had the really it was slick CGI, CGI. Right? and that was sort of a new thing, right? That was a newer thing. Like they really hadn't done that, and so it was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But it just with the, when they made them look so realistic, the voice acting all of a sudden felt out of place. You know, whereas you kind of. You can kind of have a disconnect when it's a more cartoonish right. design, right? Um, but with the more realism, like yeah. it felt weird that they were talking. There wasn't, didn't ever have a story that was particularly compelling. It just felt very formulaic, even to me as a you know eleven year old. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty alarming. I should have loved it, right? Yeah, I shouldn't have cared about all those things, but it just didn't work. Yeah, and you know what and I'm I'm hearing from you right now hmm. is that you just don't like innovation. You know, Snow White. <laughs> 
and daddy of all. Right. Yeah. Didn't like. No, as as we'll see, I've got at least one more on my list that was innovative at the time, but didn't work for me. Hmm. So there you go. Paul, number three. Number three for me, the Aristocats. Oh, come on. No, the Aristocats. Some of the best music in a Disney. Uh, Okay, so I. uh, Thomas O'Malley. (laughs) O'Malley the Alley Cat. Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be a cat. Here, I Very love cats. Nice. This movie worked Very for me. Nice. Now, I, it, and let me just preface this by saying I don't. I have never seen this movie since I was four years old. Uh, so, and that was a I, long. This was time one that ago. my wife likes, so she bought it, and my kids watch it. So I've seen it multiple oh, times see, recently. I don't remember a single thing about it except for the whole dancing scene, which was which pretty was pretty great <laughs> with the alley cats. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> yeah. There was, and there was a lot of psychedelia in that too. I mean, so you've got I mean, all the that, colors. There's a lot of color, but it's more French, like 1960s French dance scene than it is drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So So I I think it was, this was sort of in the fallow period of Disney's history, right? No. It totally was. The fallow period of Disney's history was... I like to consider the 2000s, no, 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 like no, no, 2000 no. to 2010. I get that there, there was are, one in like the 70s, yeah. 80s, but. So Disney people, they, they reference, I think, two dark ages. Right. And one was in yes, kind of that 2000s right. age. But then you the got other one the was, 60s, what, seven, 70s. 75, yeah, to, think, 75 to 90 kind yeah, of exactly. time frame. Exactly. The Aristocats was actually the very first movie that was done without Walt Disney's input at all. It was done in 1970, and that's sort of where I classify the first Dark Age beginning. And it was a Dark Age. So it was it was just not that good of a movie. After all the magic that we've come to expect from Disney movies, this was definitely a letdown. Um, I saw it when I was very young, and this is make a nice reverse transition, you know. See, uh, I'm gonna segue. because because I saw the Aristocats. Yeah. In Dinosaur National Monument, the the town right beside Dinosaur National Monument, oh, so it fits go. with your dinosaur pick. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with your timeline about the '70s being a part of. Oh yeah, totally. The dark period. No. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no. Here, because here's what came out in the '70s outside of the Aristocats. Robin Hood. Come on, Robin Hood is one of the. Stay tuned. Oh, if you <laughs> have that higher on your list, I will. St- <laughs> this show will turn into evidence for a murder scene. Also, the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh was in '77. The Rescuers in '77. Come Rescuers on. Down Under almost made my list, by the way. Oh my gosh! It was Rescuers the, were pretty. What that was pretty good. It was the '80s to the like to the early '90s. That was. It was really just the '80s. That was kind of the dark period. No, frankly, no, 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 no. Frankly, '60s. I'd give you the '60s as well. No, I can't give you the '60s because I had the Jungle Book. No, yeah, the Jungle Book was good, but they had some they had some bad movies that they made in between some good movies. They right? only had three in the sixties: One Hundred and One Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, and the Jungle Book. So there you go. Number three for you. All right, number. Oh, I'm already mad. <laughs> number three for me uh, was Dumbo. So we already okay. talked about Dumbo, which was number five for you. Number three for me. Yeah. And uh, so freaky movie. I have, I have so no more you, to say do about you, it. Let me just ask you: Do you really actually hate the movie? Um, I, what I, I, I don't, I don't like how I, f- how I remember the movie making me feel. Right. Right. Um, and so it's a strong enough feeling of dislike that I have no desire to ever go back to it. Gotcha. So there you go. All right. Good enough. Um, all right. Number two for you. Number two for me. Speaking of the 1960s, the sword in the stone. I, I mean, I, I get it. I, I'm a little surprised it's higher than, um, you know, some of the others on the list because I think it's – I like it better than something like Dumbo. Yeah. But, no, but it's, I'm, also, it's not great. No, it, it, it's, it is totally forgettable, right? When I first saw Sword in the Stone, I was very into King Arthur, knights, right. all that kind of stuff. This was – I was the target audience for Sword in the Stone. And it just didn't do much for me. I mean, it's one of those movies where... <sighs> I mean, you weren't because 
you were not even alive yet, but fine. Well, yeah, you no, no, no. This I, came out five years before yeah, you were born. Yeah, five years. Well, six years actually. Six years before you were born. Yeah, no. It, you're, yeah, you do have a point there. But when I, <laughs> when I saw it, you know, I was expecting you should, great when things. When you saw it, yeah, right, exactly. Right. So, and and you kind of think that this is going to be fantastic, um, and it just wasn't. It was just sort of a flat. It was a cartoon. Here's the thing. Sometimes Disney makes these classic, rich, majestic movies. You know, The Lion King, Little Mermaid, Snow White, <laughs> Cinderella. These real, these classic, classic, artistic triumphs. And then every once in a while, they just make a cartoon. And that's what uh, Sword in the Stone was. It was just a cartoon. Oh, well, there you go. All right, number two for me is another one that was just a just a animated thing. <laughs> and that is 2005's Chicken Little. Oh, Chicken Little. Like, number one, it's not like you have so a whole cute. lot to work with, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of adorable, cartoony, CGI, but boy, was that movie just really... It's just forgettable. Super forgettable. Like, honestly, I know the story of Chicken Little. I don't even remember what the movie was about. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that's kind of how forgettable... <laughs> The Chicken Little movie was <laughs> no, and, and I totally get that. I like, for instance, when I was putting together this list, I thought Chicken Little almost made my list, but then I couldn't remember whether I had actually watched it or not. Right? No, which I, says volumes for it, I think. I had, and like, and I was like, like who was even like the voice talent in that movie? Because it came out at a time where I would have been paying attention to that right. sort of thing and would have cared. Didn't remember. Apparently, it was Zach Braff, like, <laughs> at the height of his. Scrubs fame and Joan Cusack and Don Knotts was in it. Don Knotts. See, I remember being excited about Don Knotts being in it. Now that I remember that he was in it, I was like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Don Knotts. You know, he's he's gonna be dead soon. And and he was. And he was. But Patrick Stewart and um, Steve Zahn and Sir Wallace Patrick Shawn. Stewart. Yeah, like uh. Fred Willard, Catherine O'Hara, Patrick Warburton, Adam West. Did Adam voice. West. How, it, could, how is this movie not great? Right? It had it had so many different things going for it, but boy, it just f- was not a good movie. Yeah, just forgettable. And sometimes that happens. And so there you go. Like, and with it, as I, the more I looked at it, like the more it had stuff going for it. Really adorable animation. Really talented voice cast. And you could do something with this story. People love this story. It just didn't work. Yeah. Wasn't no. funny. Wasn't I hear that. Interesting. You didn't care about any of the characters. In that and same because manner, of that, because of all the potential it had, that's why I ended up so high on my list. No, I, I totally hear that. And in that same era, I think was one of the most underrated Disney movies. Mm. Just to go a little off track. Yeah. More. Which one? Meet the Robinsons. That, you know, that what, is. I, I think most people also forget that one's Disney. I tend to think of it as being like a DreamWorks or yeah. something like that. But no, it was a delightful movie. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Because it snuck under the radar, you're like, it couldn't have been Disney. Yeah. Unlike the number one movie on yeah. my list. Don't you freaking dare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Robin so mad. How the frick is this number one on your list? How is this? Don't, don't be fake swearing at Out me. Of 50 <laughs> Disney movies. How is Robin Hood at the Robin bottom Hood of your list? Terrible. No. Terrible. It, how? Terrible. This terrible. is just objectively this the, untrue. This was in the darkest of the dark age of Disney. Darkest no, of the dark not. age. Totally. It was not. No, here's the thing. Yeah, it is by your terrible opinion. So in, I'm making my wife like super mad too oh, because this is her favorite Disney it's movie. It's so good. It's a good movie. It is a terrible movie. How? It is terrible. So here's the thing. You've got and, – and there are like YouTube clips that, that show this all the time. It was the most cheaply animated movie uh, in Disney's history, they they reused I think every single bit of footage for this movie. You know, they completely copied Baloo from the Jungle Book and sure. turned him into Little John. They completely copied the dance numbers and from Snow White and turned them into the dance numbers for for Robin Hood. They they copied the elephants. They copied everything in this movie and and pasted it all together and made it into a not very good movie no they made a darn good a pretty darn compelling story it was terrible 
Like it actually was relatively faithful and to the Robin Hood mythos. Well, and here's the thing: when you're talking about when you're getting all angry about Snow White being just this little weak thing, what about Maid Marian? She's totally wimpy. No, she was not totally wimpy. She is one of the less wimpy Disney princesses. Yeah, well. she actually, she actually, you know, doesn't like she did she's, dance. She's not. She, now she's no Wonder Woman. <laughs> she's no Ellen Ripley. Sure. But com- when you go back and you watch this movie, and I have watched this movie a lot, <laughs> because if if I had to put together a list of my favorite Disney movies, this would be in the top five. Oh my Spoiler goodness! Spoiler alert! Oh my goodness! Um, she is one of the least passive of the Disney princesses, comparatively to what you know. I know that's not a really high bar. <laughs> Because, like, 50% of Disney princesses spend most of a movie sleeping. Um, <laughs> but she's not she's not just the worst, all right? Um, oh, my word. Okay, so why I like this movie so much is that, one, it's relatively, like, compared to a lot of other things I do, it's relatively faithful to the Robin Hood story. Uh, like the lo- Robin Hood of legend. It, okay. it, it, it uses a lot of the same story beats. I never realized that Robin Hood was a fox. It's fascinating. Oh my gosh. That's your sticking point? <laughs> well, if you're talking about faithful to, you, the, to the whole... I'm talking about the story, to the mythos oh of Robin goodness. Hood. Oh my god. And goodness. Robin the Rich and Feeding the Poor, like, and the, the town of Nottingham and Sherwood Forest and Prince John, like, these are all the story beats that when you go back and you read the Robin Hood legends of old, yes, they're animals, fine, but when you go back and read them, you're like, this is the stuff I read about when I read these stories as kids and they found a way to take that, to have a little mini, a bunch of mini stories about the archery competition, about how he would fleece Prince John here and defend the, you know, excuse me, defend the monastery here and all this kind of stuff. Starting to get choked up and cry. Um, All like, and they, but they fit that into a relatively decent storyline where it's Robin Hood versus Prince John and the sheriff, and it all works as a pretty decent standalone it, film. I will give it's you magical. This. It's no, 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 no. It's not magical. But it I is, will give without you this. even no, using no, no. any magic. It's 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 a bad. It, so it's it, just objectively bad. It is not. It objectively is just bad. objectively bad. But I will give you. It's this. not a groundbreaking does, animation piece, but it's a good story. It it does stick with the legend, and, and that's one thing that Disney never does. I mean, when right? they take a fairy tale, they. They make it their own. You cannot basically tell what it is anymore. Right. With Robin Hood, yeah, yeah, it kind of sticks with it. But at the same time, it's just it's just weak. Oh it's just weak. Oh, my goodness. Weak. I know. All right. Mm. And when you think about it, it seems a little bit stereotypical, too. I mean, they're, they're pushing these animals into stereotypes. What? What stereotypes? The Robin stereotypes Hood, of the Fox. Robin Hood mythos? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, well, Robin oh Hood's my a gosh. fox. Why can't he be a turtle? Oh, my Why word. can't he be a turtle? Okay. Why can't a he be a social justice crusader for <laughs> breaking down animal stereotypes. Got it. All right. Got it. What's number one they, on your no, list? No, they don't. With the lion, right? Oh, but Prince see, John he had to a, be. He had to be a lion because he was king. You can have wimpy lions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number one for me, 1985, The Black Cauldron. Did you actually see this? I didn't ever see the whole thing. Here's here like I wasn't born in 1985. So this was funny. I thought this came out later because I vividly remember seeing commercials for this and being like very disturbed by just a very demonic feeling. Oh yeah, it was dark supposed to be one of the scariest of nature. Yeah. yeah, this was Disney's first PG movie ever because of its dark nature. Um, the reason I remember seeing commercials for it was because it was finally re-released, sort of brought out of the vault in 1998 when I was nine years old. So there you go. Um, it's not one that I ever saw all of, you know, uh, I only saw bits and pieces of, but I have a lot of memories of just how dark it felt and how, it, so I was, I was doing some more reading to say, okay, what was, what was like, as I, I wanted to put it on my list, because I remember from whatever bits I did see, I really didn't like but maybe it wasn't that bad. But I went back and looked, and it was a hot mess. This was really <laughs> at the turning point of where Disney, you know, changed a lot of things. Now it was actually groundbreaking because it was one of the. I think it was the first movie where they ever used computers to help them in right. any part of the animation process. Interesting. And so um, it was groundbreaking in that sense. And uh, but 
it came at this time of transition where they fired one guy because things weren't going well and they brought in two, Michael Eisner and Disney's nephew and they didn't like the movie and famously one of the guys like was so upset with it when he was when he saw it screen that he took the movie and started like went to the started cutting chopping room and it started up, right? chopping it up by himself yeah. till they drag Michael Eisner <laughs> in there to pull him out and be like what are you stop, doing right stop now stop cutting up our movie yeah and like famously apparently everybody was working on it in silos and so this like the story didn't make sense to begin with and it was made worse by 12 minutes of edits and and then it was like Disney trying to be darker and sort of missing, like, not, like, hitting the bullseye for anyone because it right. wasn't dark enough for, like, the teenagers like Paul would have been at the time. Exactly. Um, and it wasn't, but it was too dark for the kids. For the kids. And so it just completely flopped and was an embarrassment to, like, they kept it hidden for a long time. I would be interested in actually seeing this movie, you know, yeah. because I, I do wonder I'd, I'd be interested to just see it within the context of what we just talked about because right. um, like I say I read the books the books are great the books are great if you haven't read the Chronicle of Tr- Chronicles of Pradane books that's into those. That, as I did my research on this list like everybody was talking about you got to read the books Top, yeah. one of the best fantasy worlds of all time oh, I was yeah. like, we just talked about that yeah no if if I had opened my my whole list to to worlds that you read about in books Perdane would have definitely been on there I, this this series charmed me like no other series did i liked it better than narnia yeah so um there you go but yeah i'd be interested to see the movie so there you have it the worst walt disney animation studios films of all time also one of the best so you got a twofer thanks to paul um, <laughs> So, you know what, Paul, thank you. Thank you for, you know, we were here to talk about the worst films, but you brought up one of the best, so that's great. What is up with you and Snow White, though? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, I guess, to be fair, there's some people that would have, you know, maybe you got two of the best of all time, depending on your perspective. Uh, But now it's time to talk about Shazam! Here we are inside our spoiler cast of Shazam. Paul, <laughs> break it up, break it up, break open this nut for us. Shazam, a couple of times. Shazam, yeah, Shazam. So this is the newest movie from the DC Cinematic Universe, extended oh. universe. D double C U. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's interesting. I think that. So, just let's let's unpack the backstory for a minute. All right. Shall we do that? Unpack it. Okay. So, back when I was a kid, back in the Dark Ages, Shazam was known as Captain Marvel. I used to watch this Saturday morning show where Captain Marvel would Shazam himself into himself and fight bad guys, and it was he it still was a said big deal. Shazam. He still said, "Yeah, Shazam." Here's the thing. Okay, back in 1940 or 1941, there was this uh, outfit called Fawcett Comics. Fawcett that created the very first Captain Marvel, and it was Shazam. Um, he was exactly who you see on screen, red outfit, white cape, little tiny white cape. I don't know why his cape was so short, but he was actually the most popular superhero of the era. He hmm. even outsold Superman. And the uh, outfit that owned Superman, um, the, the forerunner of DC Comics, they thought, you know what, this, this Captain Marvel guy, he's a little too similar to us. So we're going to sue. And so by the time the lawsuit actually went to court um, and said, oh, yeah, there's there's a lot of similarities between this Captain Marvel and, and Superman, superheroes were done. They were dead. And so it really didn't matter. Fast forward a few years, a strange little outfit called, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you right now, it is MF Enterprises created another I mean, Captain Marvel. entirely different now. Created, <laughs> created wow. little tiny comic book operation. They snagged the name Captain Marvel and turned him into a 
android superhero from another planet who had insecurity issues and whose main superpower apparently was his ability to dismember himself. Like his head could be detached from his body and he'd throw his hand into bad guys and the whole bit. So that didn't work very well. No disassemble. <laughs> Marvel the precursor Comics, to Johnny Five. <laughs> Marvel Comics went out and the rumor is that they bought uh, the rights to the name Captain Marvel from from the Android people, the MF. Because that wasn't working. Because it wasn't working. Um, bought the rights to the Captain Marvel name, changed it into this character named Marvel, which gradually became the Captain Marvel that we just saw on screens like three weeks ago. Meanwhile, DC decided to launch their own version of Captain Marvel again, and for a while you had two competing Captain Marvels having their own comics. And, and until Marvel put a stop to it, it was known as, I think DC called um, their hero the original Captain Marvel. Mm. So there were many lawsuits and such. <laughs> so I, I always grew up so with this is yeah. Captain Marvel. Um, yeah, and so so it's kind of interesting because in this movie, there's a whole bunch of talk about what they're going to name this stupid character right. who, who turns into this you know superhero when you shout Shazam. It's a very fun subplot. Yeah, it is pretty fun. It is pretty fun. Captain Sparklefingers. Captain Sparklefingers. Yeah, I thought that was Thundercrack. <laughs> no, that's like a butt thing. You can't say that. <laughs> Keep working on it. Yeah. So, and so we have this story. Um, it's it's pretty much just your typical or, origin story. Billy Batson, this disaffected teenage guy who's always searching for his mom, always running away from foster, foster kid. kid. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. He he suddenly gets sucked into this strange temple like era area where he is given these superpowers by a wizard, and he says, "You must be." Pure of heart. And strong of spirit, right? Sure. And you get your powers when you shout Shazam. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's because it's so foreign to you. Yep. So so it's really about this this origin story about Billy Batson and Shazam, the character who is now officially known as Shazam, um, trying to figure out what does it mean to be a hero? What? Right. How do you become a hero? And it's, it, it's actually, I found it to be a really engaging, affecting, sweet, fun story. Well, there you go. So that's all I have to say that's, about that's it. That's all can take Paul it from here. has to say about it. Yeah. That's, that gives him plausible deniability when I go to spoiler territory. <laughs> he, can tell, he can tell Wendy, it wasn't, it, look, Jake forced it. Uh, spoiler warning, if you guys were, I already called this a spoiler cast, now is the time to skip. Just we don't even need to get into spoilers, go ahead though, do we? And skippity doo da day. We don't need to get into the big Along. spoiler. The here's, big okay, spoiler. here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Are there really any spoilers for this film? There is one. Really? There are five. Five spoilers in this film? Well, if you count, you know. But but that's where I want to say, like, is that not a part of the comics? Like, does that not ever happen in the comics? I don't believe so. Okay. So here I, th I thought it was... It, uh, and it I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. You know all that other Shazam history, but you don't know if that's a part of the comics? I only I only research what I need to. Uh, so it's a bit of a, a deus ex machina, as we like to say in Latin. Is that how we say it? Machina. Deus ex machina. Machina. The God machine. Machina. The God Machine. Yes. It essentially is a way to describe a plot device where everything's gone way south. There's no way to recover. So whoever's telling the story just inserts this thing that was never a part of, you know, like this thing, a God Machine that magically helps you win. Um, the story and the story wraps up because you now have this new power that you didn't have before and didn't think you could count on. And there you go. That's, I guess... I, I assumed yeah, 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 yeah. not being a Shazam comic, having no Shazam comic knowledge, that what looks very much like a deus ex machina. <laughs> Anybody else want to correct my Latin? Um, in this movie was a part of the comics. Like, uh, what's the one where they all put their rings together and they say whatever? Wonder Twin Powers activate. Yeah. Or, oh, that's or, so great. What where they become like the big lion, like the big mechanical 
Isn't there like Voltron? One, Voltron, where yes. they all become a part yes. of a bigger thing, right? Yes. I thought that this was a Shazam thing. No, I don't believe um, so. Where it's all going south. There's no way they're going to be able to fight this. But oh wait, I can make all my friends into Shazams too. So if you're telling me that's not a part of the comics, I don't. All know. of a sudden, I don't like no, this movie I, as I, much I, because I that's just know. totally fabricated. Yeah, no, and and honestly, I I really don't know whether it's part of the okay. comics or not. All right, I comic really book nerds, I need your help on this one. Was this a part of? Yeah. Was this a part of the? It definitely wasn't a part of the seventies TV show that I watched. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Shazam was just traveling around with his old uncle or something like this in an RV, and every once in a while he shouted, "Billy Batson shouted Shazam," and he'd beat up people. Well, that's the other thing I was going to ask: is was Billy Batson ever a foster kid in the OG stuff, or was that also? created for this movie yeah you know what i think he was <laughs> i don't know I, yeah, I mean all these kids in these superhero I stories i thought you were my have, dc expert no i i know nothing i was not allowed to read comics we've talked about this yeah but you've since gone back and you've got all this other knowledge about i i have mf mf or studios even my knowledge has limits <laughs> um, You're the know-it-all in this group, I yeah. think, right? Isn't that what we're well, No, what's kind of the cool thing about our show is that we both kind of like are malleable and we can inhabit each role as we go. <laughs> it, You know, it actually had sort of a Dragon Ball Z type of feel because, you know. <laughs> you said that and I still don't understand <laughs> how in the world this has a Dragon Ball Z vibe. Well, because, okay, in the last Dragon Ball Z movie, Super Broly, right, which I loved, loved it, loved it. Not really. But they do have these characters that sort of, they sort of, it's sort of the opposite of Dragon Ball Z, where they have these characters who come together to create like some sort of super character. And this one, the super character sort of splits apart. So it's sort of, I don't know. Interesting. So not the same at all. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Good sidebar, bro. (laughs) So... (laughs) So what did you think about this movie? Besides right. that that spoiler that we didn't really need to spoil, I, I, I think it did though because I uh, that that could impact that could impact. Here's all right. <laughs> here's here's where it worked, and but I think here's where it connects in. All right. Here's a movie. What what do you got here? You, Billy you, Batson and his sister Mary were born archaeologists. Oh, born, born to archaeologists. <laughs> born archaeologists. <laughs> You know what? When I was born, oh. the good Lord smiled upon me and said, "You are an archaeologist." Yeah, but his parents were killed by their treacherous assistant. So Those there you go. Treacherous assistants. Then did they become foster kids, or were they adopted by an uncle? Uh, Billy was separated from his sister Mary following the death of their parents and left in the care of his uncle Ebenezer. His uncle Ebenezer. Uncle Ebenezer. Um, unfortunately, Ebenezer threw Billy out and stole the youth's trust fund money, which had been set aside for Billy's care and welfare. Hmm. Mm. That seems like a shame. There you go. So, yes, he was an orphan. He was, he was at least an orphan. Yeah. All right. Um, so Shazam, Shazam does something almost really well. I'll say that I did like the movie overall. Uh, and I like, you know, that it tries not to take itself too seriously. Um, and makes a lot of jokes and, you know, stays pretty lighthearted overall. And, and that plays into where, you know, all of a sudden you're not as startled by this, this God machine moment where all of a sudden he is able to turn his foster siblings into Shazam's like himself. I have something to say about that, but later, um, which which works as a part of the story they're telling in this movie. It does work, I think, mm-hmm. because this movie is ultimately about the strength of a family and what a family really is, that it's more than blood, that it's about a community that bonds together and gets each other's back and, and things like that. And I, I thought that was really effective. But um, at the same time, where, where this movie, I think, struggles a little bit is – is giving you a so what beyond that the like the villain like why the seven you know the villain here is this guy that is inhab becomes inhabited in his quest for power to prove his de- his dear old dad wrong about his character you know unlocks the seven deadly sins and they all inhabit him because sure 
and they've got to fight this guy with his seven deadly sins. And so you needed all of it, but he's invincible with them in him. And it just, it was one of those where uh, you've got this world, it's supposedly supposed to be a world ending threat, but then he becomes very consumed with a smaller threat, which actually ultimately ends up working in favor of the movie, that it feels smaller. I like that. But boy, there's no context. Like these seven deadly sins, the context they do give you is that they're like a world ending, you know, demonic force. And then all these little kids can beat them. And so that if you don't take it too seriously, which it doesn't want you to, it works. But they try to make you take it seriously at times. And that's where it gets a little off for me is this felt almost in the Black Cauldron. Now, it's not nearly as bad as the Black Cauldron, but where it's like they're trying to target this to a darker, uh, you know, like maybe to an older kid audience but at the same time it's like they're trying to target it to kids and so it ends up feeling uneven in that regard we're like oh this is really fun and lighthearted and family and good lessons and oh my gosh a demon just bit a human's <laughs> head off <laughs> yeah. and so then you're like who is yeah. this movie for yeah no i would as a matter of fact i was just talking with a colleague about this very thing who is this movie for because yeah. you're right it does feel really uneven in that it's very jokey and it's super scary all at the same time it's like the modern version of dumbo you know it's a it's it's a pretty interesting dynamic really when you talk about this movie and i think that some of the things that you mentioned that both worked and kind of didn't work for you i think worked primarily well for me for me shazam is sort of it feels like a correction to what i think were a lot of Zack snyder's problems with say batman versus superman or whatnot Um, man of steel you know when you have man of steel you have this this paragon hero right who goes in and and destroys a city as he's attacking his arch enemy in that movie and 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 there's really no concern for a loss of life it feels big it feels important it feels very super in terms of the stakes and yet because of because of how cavalierly the movie dealt with the loss of life it really didn't work it didn't work nearly as well and i've i've defended man of steel in some context but i think that it really did lose focus of what these heroes are supposed to be shazam because it concentrated on that smaller story, you have this sense that life is precious, that life is worth saving. And I really appreciated the journey that the character takes, right? Absolutely. He has this this remarkable journey as a, as a 14, 15-year-old, just at the age where we're starting to try to figure out how we can be the people who we want to be. We see that manifest itself, I think, really strangely, realistically, within Billy Batson as he becomes, as he sort of grapples with his powers and how he's going to use them. Um, And he slowly comes to terms that you're not born a superhero. You become one through your decisions, through your sacrifice. It felt like it felt like whoever made this movie read my book, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Which book was that? <laughs> God on the Streets of Gotham. There you go. Available now at Amazon. About a DC superhero. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I do think overall the movie worked for me. I thought uh, I, I was actually thinking about it as I was driving in this morning. I think like if if um, on the level of like getting that emotional tone right. Uh, if if you wanted to say like out of all this you know there's emotional tone there's visual there's cinematography there's audio there's CGI like on the emotional tone I felt like it was really really close like if a ten is the best it was about at an eight in terms of getting that balance right um, but because of that the the few moments that it dips below that and down below a five like it was just like ah I want it was so close and so it's it was it's, a little uneven. it's nitpicky. I will give you that. Yeah. Because I I do like I did like the right. movie overall, right? And so I don't want to give the I don't want to I, I didn't want I don't want this to come across as I didn't enjoy the movie. I did. I think this is up there now as one of as the top two yeah. DC movies since that the Christopher since, Nolan. Era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we if we set aside right, Christopher right. Nolan and we say all the other DC movies, this Beginning is right up Man there. Right. right. This is right up there with Wonder Woman, and it's different. And that's what I like about it is. Uh, it, very similar to what we've talked about in the Marvel Universe. It has its own character as a film yeah. uh, in a way that I don't think necessarily the others did. 
Yeah. Um, and so this is a bit of a nitpick to say that it ultimately feels uneven because it tries to bring right. some of that gravitas and you're like, ah, you didn't, you didn't need it. You, you were actually doing pretty well with this. Like you need gravitas. Uh, that's maybe not the right word, but it tries to bring in this creepy, you know, violence on top of this lighter hearted sort of family story. And I think you could have made a pretty effective because you had such a great sense of humor in this movie, I think you could have done it without getting as legitimately grotesque as it feels at times, like kind of icky, you know, yeah. if I can use a parent word right there. So, yeah. uh, but ultimately, like if I have to put a number to this movie, I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. Like yeah. I, re- and, and say it's a really enjoyable film. It's not one that's going to stick with you forever, but it's a fun one. It's going to be a fun one to rewatch. Like I'll enjoy rewatching this whenever that time comes. Yeah, no, and I would be actually right there with you. Oddly enough, um, I think it's a a solid 7 out of 10. I think it was uneven. Not every part of it worked for me, but I think the core of it was really strong and Mm -hmm. really – it was it was really resonant for me, and and on top of that, it was a pretty fun movie. There you go, Shazam! What'd you guys think? Let us know. I'm on Twitter at at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Now it's time for the most least important thing: speed round. <laughs> Here we are at the end of the show, but it's the, our, one of our favorite parts of the show. It's the most least important thing where we make mountains out of molehills and vice versa. Mine for you this week, Paul, the AAF, the Alliance of American Football yeah. League, has officially folded in less than a season. Wow, it officially folded. I knew They're that it was done. having some uh, financial yeah. difficulties. They had some financial difficulties. They got a guy invest $250 million Ooh. to keep it going. Uh, and that guy has now also decided that you know what, Time I'm to gonna the plug. I'm gonna cut and run. It's you know that sunk cost fallacy that we, it it fly it it's actually you know the sunk cost fallacy is that we put so much money into something then we have to keep putting money into it because we don't want to lose all that money. Right. We keep exactly. chasing the money we've lost. Exactly. He is doing the opposite of that and saying I am not putting another dime into this bad boy and it is done. They didn't even make it one season. Which is probably okay. I mean, don't you think? Uh, I think so here's what I was excited for. I was excited about it lengthening, hopefully, you know, as it developed, lengthening the amount of football that I got in my life. I'm a big football fan. I, I want to nerd out about like a farm system that feeds into the NFL the way, you know, basketball has a G League and baseball has the minors and people can geek out about prospects being groomed and blah, 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 blah. But alas, this was not to be. And the AAF, this, this, they put hundreds of millions of dollars into this thing. Didn't it's not cheap even to start make this. it one season. Yeah, no. Hot dog. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. Hot dog. So mine. This is. I'm gonna make this really quick. But if you haven't been following, you know, social media lately, if you're not a big Batman fan like I am, you probably did not notice that Zack Snyder, who we've already talked about in this show, um, he was the guy who ran the DC Extended Universe for a couple of seconds before everybody really thought uh, he had the best a idea. lot of seconds. He he had way too many seconds, yeah. in, in my opinion, and and he uh, he actually came out with some some really dark comments about one of my very favorite superheroes, Batman. Um, he essentially said it's crazy to think that Batman and some of these heroes are not they would not kill, they would not embezzle, they would not cheat, you know, all that kind of stuff. I have a big old long take on this on my blog. So because we're short of time, I'm just going to say, you know, if you really want my full take. Go to my blog, but watching gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pathios watching. Google it. Pathios watching God. Paul Acey. Yeah. So yeah. Zack Snyder. Let me just say. Let me just say. All of those keywords. Zack is just wrong. He's wrong because you don't think Batman would steal and embezzle and murder. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Batman. I mean, I see how his would. Batman is a very Shazam character where he is not a perfect guy, right? But. Through his decisions, through his adherence to a cold, uh, uh, a code, not a cold. <laughs> to a cult? Yeah, to a code, 
to a code of ethics that drives him to be a better person, you know? And in the non-killing part of it, it's been a crucial part of his character for 80 years. So there you go. So how do you defend the times where he has killed people in his 80-year history? Is that is that not a part of the official? It's it's timeline? the way I defend you for for some of your strange movie. It was it was one offs. Yeah. It was no, lapses it, in mean, judgment on the ha- on again, the behalf of the writers. Again, you know we're we're short of time, so I could go into this. <laughs> but, I'm but, goading you. <laughs> but it is sort of one of those things where his character changed and grew over time, and so I think that that when you have him in the beginning, he was definitely a darker character at the beginning. His his creators sort of reined him in at the at the behest of his you know uh, the label DC. Um, we like this murderous bad boy of Gotham. <laughs> yeah, we just don't want him gets to kill the him. ladies and he smokes the bodies. <laughs> so so you know guys. it's one of those things where it became a part of his character um, from 1941 on. I mean it was a huge part of him that he would not kill, he would not touch a gun, and then after that. Anything else that sort of goes beyond that is a little bit of an, an anomaly. And I think you can have those anomaly, anomalies <laughs> because Batman is a flexible enough character to deal with that. But I think when you have such a lack of an understanding of the core character, I think it doesn't serve Batman very well. So it, it just underscores why you don't like his other movies. You're like, I get it now. He didn't understand Batman the way I do. <laughs> Got in the streets of Gotham. <laughs> Buy it now. Un- That's exactly right. I know way better about Ma- Batman than Zack. Go Snyder. read Paul's book, God on the Streets of Gotham, and read Zack Snyder's comments. Watch his movies, and you decide who knows Batman better: Paul, AC, or Zack Snyder. No question. No question. Uh, that's. Uh, and, and you can go to Twitter and talk to Paul about his Batman knowledge. His handle is. At AC Paul. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. But until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.